Today's episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by Audible. Get a free trial offer with a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash lutherancartographer. The Lutheran Cartographer, Episode 17. The Lutheran Cartographer, Episode 18. Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different areas. Today we are joined by Pastor Scott Murray. He is the pastor of Memorial Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas, and is the vice president of the LCMS, overseeing the West and Southwest districts. My connection with Pastor Murray during this interview wasn't the greatest. It was there were a couple places where the audio cut out, and I had to do some editing. So any time that it seems like Pastor Murray has a bit of a non sequitur, that is me with my editing errors rather than Pastor Murray. So just be aware of that as we go through this conversation. You should easily be able to make out what's going on, but there are a few places where you might hear a dropped word or two. So without further ado, let's bring Pastor Murray on the show. Pastor Murray, welcome to the show. Well, it's a delight to be with you, Nicholas. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Houston. Well, I've been uh, the pastor here at Memorial Lutheran Church for 23, going on 24 years. Um, before that, I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, for about a dozen years. And before that, I was a missionary at large, just east of Toronto, Ontario. I'm actually a native Canadian. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny if you'd have said to me, uh, after graduating from seminary, oh, well, you'll spend the majority of your ministry in the deep South. I'd have said you were crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, I had no, uh, no inkling and no desire, uh, to, to serve in the deep South. Um, but, but, uh, God saw differently and um, saw to it that I ended up with calls uh, to these two Deep South congregations. And I've served now in the Deep South longer than I lived in Canada. And uh, so I, I think of myself as a legitimate Texan at this point. Excellent. So astute listeners will have heard in your introduction that you are the regional vice president of the West-Southwest region of the LCMS. What exactly does that area cover? So it, it's quite a large area because the census numbers drive the size of the region. So in other words, um, this is where Missouri Synod Lutherans are sort of least dense. Um, and so it goes all the way from the eastern border of Texas all the way to San Diego, and then all the way to the border of Canada up the coast of the United States. And that would also include the Rocky Mountain District, which goes all the way to the edge of Colorado, the eastern edge of Colorado. Um, so it's it's a gargantuan region, um, and uh, uh, it, it's fun to serve, of course, because I get to go out to the west coast of Fairmount. Uh, and uh, but um, but it's actually again uh, a region where where we're sort of least numerically represented. I see. So now you mentioned at this point in your pastoral career that you really feel like a, a Texan at this point. What what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be a Texan? Well, um, it means I have a pistol. Um, <laughs> at the tw- at the 20-year mark uh, of my, my time here, my board of elders gave me as a gift 
a firearm. They looked at me and said, well, you're pretty much a Texan by now. So the one thing you do lack besides boots and a hat uh, is the pistol. I said, well, I'll go with the pistol. Not not enthusiastic about the boots and the hat. Uh, you know, this is definitely an urban area. And so while there's still plenty of boots and plenty of hats, uh, it, it's uh, it's not all that common in, in central Houston. I see. So now, as we mentioned before, you're, you're in Houston and in the eastern part of Texas. What are the good parts about, about Houston? Um, I would say uh, its good parts are the same as its bad parts in some ways. So, for example, I would say it's huge. Well, that's wonderful on a lot of levels. Um, a lot of people are coming here. Uh, uh, there's there's a great uh, opportunity for people uh, to find uh, work, um, to be productive, um, and and there's a huge variety of people here. I mean, it's it's kind of an international city, driven in part, of course, by the fact that we're the world's uh, oil hub, really. Um, but that means that people from all over the world come here. Um, for example, from Africa, we get a fair number of Nigerians because, of course, there's oil in Nigeria. Um, but, of course, there's, there's all kinds of nationalities here. But uh, on the flip side, of course, of the size of Houston is that's also a drawback. Um, the traffic... Well, it might be worse in some places uh, elsewhere, say in in the L.A. area, um, or perhaps in the Washington D.C. area, or perhaps even in Chicago. It's still bad enough um, that the commute can be burdensome. The one good thing about the size of Houston and and the way it developed is that it doesn't really have a, a single central business district. And so, I mean, there is a central business district. There's also Galleria, which is where Memorial is. And a lot of people commute into Galleria, but don't go all the way into Midtown. Um, uh, there's another uh, business district about eight miles due west of here. Um, there's an, another business. And that, that business district, eight miles due west of here, is, is actually um, uh, it does a lot of software development and that kind of thing. Our area is uh, uh, banks, brokerages, um, and and of course shopping because the Galleria Mall is here. Uh, and then um, and then north of town, you go all the way up to the Woodlands, and Exxon's World Head are are right there, um, southern part of the Woodlands, uh, just where I-45 uh, and the uh, the Hardy Tollway meet. And there's several other business districts. So the commute is kind of interesting here because people go sort of even opposite directions from what would be expected in other big cities. And so it does help alleviate some of the traffic press, but not all of it. I see. So let's go back to something that we were talking about a little bit earlier, and that is the culture. We mentioned kind of how you really feel as a Texan now. How would you generally characterize for those of our listeners who have not been to have the opportunity to go to Texas, what would your kind of general characterization be of the the culture and the way of living? Well, um, I mean, especially Houston, I, I appreciate the weather. 
Um, mm -hmm. Of course, you know, Synodical Convention was here a couple of times, and of course that's the third week of July, which, you know, is among the sort of eight worst weeks weather-wise in Houston, so everyone comes here from Minnesota and says how terribly hot it is. Um, I've gotten used to it, to be quite honest with you. Um, the, the summer weather doesn't bother me at all, and I find it uh, possible to work outside even in the sun um, when that's necessary. You just have to stay hydrated and, and be wise in that way. I certainly appreciate winter weather uh, because the average high here in, um, in January would be 63 degrees, um, and, and, you know, there's lots of days where it can be in the mid-70s and sunny and just absolutely fantastic. Um, it seldom freezes, of course. So, so you know, I find the weather really attractive. We're also only about 50 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. Away. Sun and sand, um, you're not very far away from enjoying that. Um, I, I appreciate Texans on a number of levels. Um, I appreciate them in terms of their uh, love for the civil order. Um, they're very orderly people generally. Um, they want, uh, you know, they want good civil government. Um, I, I almost never get any kind of disrespect, even from outsiders. You know, if I'm wearing a clerical collar, I get nothing but you know kindness and and so on. I never get any aggression from people. I think you know that's happening, uh, especially on the east and west coasts. But here on the south coast, there's still uh, a respect for church. Um, in Houston, you can still ask the question without being uh, disapproved of. Which where do you go to church? Um, so our mm. our members have a little more freedom. Um, in in asking those kinds of questions among their peers and in their workplaces. And so, you know, when they get the answer, well, I'm not going anywhere, uh, you know, then they have the opportunity to say, well, you should come with me. Um, there's a lot more openness uh, to actually practicing Christianity and people in Texas. Um, the other great thing I would say about Houston is that it continues to be uh, an employment producer uh, very aggressively. Um, so uh, we enjoy having these fantastically educated and faithful Lutheran young people come from the Midwest looking for work, and, and they have uh, young people to this congregation. Um, now, not all of our young people are from elsewhere, but a great number of them are. And in fact, Houston is really, again, a city uh, made up of people from somewhere else. Um, and, and the benefit to this, by the way, too, is that uh, the people of Houston sort of have to make common cause with each other because mom and pop live in Peoria. They don't live close by. And so um, relationships, friend relationships, almost rise to the level of family relationships quite quickly. I see. Okay. So then I think this is a very natural point then to transition and ask you what it's like to raise a family in Houston. Um, it's fantastic. We, we raised two girls. Um, uh, the Lutheran schools here are pretty good. Of course, our parish has a classical Lutheran school. Uh, very good quality. You know, we've made that transition toward classical methodology and content. 
um, over the last, say, 15 years, our girls, of course, um, uh, left the school a long time ago and then went to Lutheran High North, which is about, uh, what, eight miles uh, uh, east, northeast of here. Um, now, they had a long commute because we lived farther west at the time than we do now, but they had about a 17-mile drive. So I was really glad when the oldest finally got her license and we said, here, have a car, <laughs> because that 17-mile drive was under construction. The whole seven years, our two girls were in high school. You know, I mean, the other thing about Houston is that it in some ways functions a bunch of uh, little neighborhoods all glued together. You do find people that sort of never leave their area of Houston. They almost don't know what's going on elsewhere. Um, and, you know, so we were in uh, a neighborhood uh, out to the west of the church uh, that was, um, you know, very family-oriented and, and multi-ethnic. Um, we had quite a number of different ethnicities around us. There was a neighborhood pool, um, and the kids, uh, the kids enjoyed that very much. Um, after we empty nested, we moved in closer to church, where it's a little bit more expensive to live. So we went to a uh, sort of a condominium uh, style of of housing, um, which is easier because there's there's less um, maintenance and so on for dad. And uh, uh, but it it makes us we're only about what uh, about a mile from church uh, where we're living now, which is a much better. A situation the commute doesn't affect me at all that's good pastor murray what's it like being a lutheran in houston um well the lutheran history of houston is really the same history that you have all throughout texas um and it's dependent on the wendish settlers they were slavic peoples um that migrated westward um, and ended up um, in a pocket of, of eastern Saxony, and they migrated to Texas just about the same time that the Saxons um, migrated to Missouri in the middle of the 19th century. And so um, they settled uh, out about two and a half hours west of here um, in, in a place called Serban, but they were very mission-minded, and, uh, you know, they spun off their, their growth to Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin. And wherever they went, they started Lutheran churches. Um, so this is where you get the name Kishnik and Wenchi and Sim and Simank uh, uh, and so on. These are all Wendish names. And, and they've had a huge of Lutheran churches here in the Houston area. Um, you know, the older congregations, any that were founded before World War II, were almost exclusively founded by Wendish people. Um, they didn't stay, you know, the congregations didn't stay Wendish, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And already by then, the Wendish language was not, you know, being spoken. Um, but, but in all the congregations, you'd be hard-pressed to find a congregation that didn't have Wendish uh, people, people with Wendish background, uh, in them. Um, so they had a significant impact on on Texas Lutheranism. Now, uh, I th I've been told that there are about 90 uh, Missouri Synod congregations within a 60-mile radius of Midtown Houston. 
Um, so, so it's actually fairly dense here in the eastern part of Texas uh, with Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston um, making a majority of, of Texas district congregations and, and points in between, of course. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite fertile um, in terms of the number of congregations that, that uh, you know, one could choose to attend here. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast on the go, you already know the power of having audio in your ears. And Audible wants to put the books that you want to listen to there as well with their free 30-day trial offer that comes with a free audiobook. If you're not sure what book you should check out, this month I'm recommending that you check out Luther's Bondage to the Will. It's one of his great treatises and the one that he looked back on and said was one of the most important. So you can check that out at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. Let's get back to our guest. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the surrounding culture in regards to Christianity. So you've already mentioned that it's okay to ask people that you know, oh, where are you going to church? What? How would you characterize Houston as a whole in terms of maybe comparing it to other parts of the nation that become increasingly secularized? Oftentimes when people think of the South, uh, they think of the Bible Belt. Is Tex- is Houston part of that? How would you, what would you kind of give as kind of a general overview? Right. So the Bible Belt does not extend to Houston. Um, of course, it doesn't mean that it's unaffected by Bible Belt, um, but we're, we're sort of on the southern end of things as far as that's concerned. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, we certainly have... Um, our share of Baptists, um, the second largest Southern Baptist congregation in the United States is, is like only about a mile and a half from here. Um, of course, you have evangelicalism and sort of big box church, Joel Osteen. Um, he's also about, what, uh, three, maybe four miles um, east of here. Um, and, and so, uh, you know that that's available to people, so that's kind of our culture now. But I would also say um, Houstonians are still willing, kind of, to defend their church against the incursion or imposition of civil government. And we've had a couple of examples of the last few years here. Um, there was an attempt to add um, a taxation. On uh, on real property, of course, there's no there's no income tax in the state of Texas. Um, they wanted to add a taxation here in Houston on real property, uh, based on the amount of um, hardscape there was on your on your property. Well, churches have parking lots, and of course, we're required by city code to pave them, right? So it becomes hardscape. And then they want to turn around and tax us on it, you know. And Houstonians rose up in protest um, mm. against the imposition of this on not-for-profits uh, like churches. And finally, the, the city council and mayor had to back down. Um, you know, there was a big flap uh, about um, to... Uh, to uh, um, to stop having uh, uh, sex divisions in public restrooms. Um, mm. And the mayor, uh, the former mayor, this is the past regime, 
you know, attempted to force this through. Well, there was a referendum finally, and then she ended up uh, finding a way to uh, subpoena the the private community pastors here in the Houston area. And again, Houstonians sort of rose up and said, you know, this is a chilling effect on on uh, First Amendment rights. Um, you you don't have the right to do this. And in the end, because of the animosity that the mayor created by her tactics, strong arm tactics, um, the people of Houston finally, in a referendum, uh, turned uh, her idea of having open restrooms down 64. You know, there was some moaning and complaining about it, but really it seemed to me that the mayor had created her own disaster by being so mean-spirited toward these these pastors and by being so imposing against First Amendment rights. Um, so Houstonians still, um, you know, have a tradition um, about about defending First Amendment rights for church as well. Now, how long this will continue to be that way, I don't know. But at this point, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a Houstonian from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Murray, we already talked about how there are a lot of young couples coming from the Midwest. What would be your pastoral advice or general advice to them in terms of things they should be aware of as they think about whether or not they should move to Houston, say, for a job? Right. Well, um, a number of things. I mean, you have close enough to a church um, that I can attend, um, live with, uh, practice in, be fed in, and that kind of thing. So, uh, so location is not insignificant um, in answering that question. We actually do have members who drive as far as 70 miles to attend this congregation. I mean, they come for meetings, they come for Bible classes, and so on. Um, and, and so this is not unheard of. But, you know, for the younger couple, especially one when there are children and so on, and trying to get them back and forth to school, uh, it's hard to pull off that commute. Um, we, we have actually have a couple of families that come all the way from the NASA area, um, and, and, uh, which is out to the Southeast. Um, but you know, that's really a, a, a tough bit of sledding because the traffic at, at, at rush hour, when you're say trying to get here for an evening event, um, is really prohibitive in terms of getting, getting here on time. Um, so, so location's one thing. The other thing that you have to be aware of, because there's no state income tax, um, the state of Texas uh, uh, allows fairly high taxation um, in comparison to the Midwest. We're probably easily paying twice as much or perhaps even triple uh, what would be paid, say, in, in suburban Ohio cities or Michigan or Indiana, any of these places. So this came as something of a shock to my family when we moved here from Louisiana, where the property taxes were very low, that, that this huge property tax bill was, was a bit flabbergasting. We, we weren't aware of that. So that's one of the things that really catches Midwesterners when they buy property um, in Houston is the, the cost of property taxes. So to just be aware of that before and maybe uh, purchase a less ornate home than you would usually? Well, yeah, you just have to ask the question, you know, what property taxes are owed on this, on this home? 
and and can we bear that? I mean, you know, you end up in a situation where the property taxes may start to be around uh, the two thirds of the value of the of the yearly price of the mortgage payments. Oh my! Uh, you know, so so you end up uh, you know with a with a pretty high cost of housing. Now, I mean, the cost of housing. I know there's buying a home and inexpensive in comparison to other large cities. So people come here, um, you know, say from either coast to the major metropolitan areas or Chicago um, and so on, and and look at what they can buy with their dollar. And they're, of course, flabbergasted. You know, it would be uh, triple the price on the West Coast. Um, in, in many places on the East Coast, it would be double or more. Um, you know, a home here that might be 350000 would be like $2.6 million in San Francisco and, and that kind of thing. So, so there are some benefits, um, despite the, the property tax shock uh, that, that some people actually experience when they move to Houston. I see. Okay, so let's zoom out and speak a little more broadly. You're the regional vice president of the West-Southwest region. What are your general thoughts in terms of people that are considering moving uh, to different areas? What what kind of pastoral or vocational, as we think vocationally, what kind of advice would you have for, for Lutherans as to whether or not to move to a new area? Well, um, you know, I think the, the, the vocation question is a good one. I mean, can I carry out my calling as a father, a mother, church member, um, a citizen, um, a neighbor, a friend, um, a family member, um, better in, in this new place? Um, I think there's many attractive characteristics in regard to fulfillment of uh, vocation um, here here in Houston and Texas generally. Um, so, so you have to ask those questions. People move, um, you know, for jobs. And, you know, in, in most cases when people move to Houston for a new job, it's a better job. It's a promotion. You know, they're moving up the corporate ladder, um, that kind of thing. And what they're surprised to find out is that despite all the positives, all the goods, um, that they can they can see uh, happening in their lives because they're place to live and and good weather and so on. They they still actually are um, shocked by the move. In other words, humans don't like change. Perhaps you've noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> and even good change can be um, you can cause us to be a bit blue or depressed. So when I have young families here that say, you know, we just moved in, it's really great, we've got a new place and a new job, and we're really excited, I just say, well, I appreciate that, but do not be unaware of the fact that, that the amount of change you're experiencing here in your life uh, may be a bit psychologically burdening to you and your family. Don't, you know, don't neglect that. Pay some attention uh, to those aspects of life. Absolutely. All right, Pastor Murray, as we start winding down the podcast, before we say goodbye, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to highlight or uh, promote or send our listeners to 
things that you would like to. Of course, we want to check, encourage people to check out Memorial Lutheran Church. What else would you send our listeners to? Um, in Houston, um, one of the great places I love to visit, um, and, and I often take guests there, um, is the Space Center Houston, which is uh, right on the uh, grounds, or, or right attached to the grounds, I guess I should say, of of NASA. You know, this is Johnson Space Center. This is where Mission Control is. Um, they have a Saturn V rocket. They've got a mock-up of the space shuttle on one of the 747s that, that ferried them from coast to coast right there on property. You can climb up the stairs and, and into it and see what they did to modify the 747 to, to do its ferrying work. And then you climb up some more stairs and you get to see the, the space shuttle. And of course, there's all kinds of wonderful historical exhibits in Space Center Houston, uh, right from, you know, uh, peering into a Gemini capsule, um, you know, to seeing moon rocks and watching video, historic video of, of the various space uh, activities that went on, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. Um, so that's kind of, and, and you do a tour then, and you get to see, um, uh, you get to see Mission Control. They have a historic Mission Control um, and I did not get to see it the last time I was there, but it's possible to see it. Um, and then they have two mission controls. They're absolutely identical. And, and we watched, I was there maybe uh, two months ago, and we watched people doing a mock-up of kind of a disaster. And, of course, these are the best and brightest, and they're trying to sort out what the best way is to, to fix the problems on this spacecraft. Um, and, and just, you know, just a few minutes away or just a few steps away, you have uh, mission control that's actually functioning and, and managing, you know, what's, what's going on out there in orbit. And uh, they didn't have quite so many yellow and red um, signs on the screen. <laughs> that's good. Managing a, a real situation, <laughs> which was a, a comforting. Yes. Uh, we, we have a wonderful um, uh, art museum, the Houston Museum of Art. Um, uh, they have uh, some wonderful ancient pieces, sculpture and so on, from uh, first century and earlier. Mm. Um, they also tend to have uh, really a good um, collection of uh, French impression. Um, so, so that's always a delight. Um, of course, sports teams... Um, if you're if you're a basketball fan, we have the Rockets, um, and of course the Texans, uh, football, and uh, and you have the Houston Astros, the the much maligned Houston Astros. Um, but uh, Minute Maid Park is a great uh, park at which to see a baseball game. Um, its dimensions are very cozy, good sight line, um, and it's it's a great place to enjoy Major League Baseball. So those are just a few of the things you could see and enjoy here in the Houston area. Excellent. Where would you send people if they're interested in following your work online? Well, you can you can certainly go to uh, our website, which is mlchouston.org. Um, I also do um, a weekdaily uh, devotional email called the Memorial Moment, um, and you can subscribe on our website. 
Um, it goes out to about mm, 2,500 subscribers around the world. Um, what I do is I focus on um, the ancient church fathers and give a little uh, contemporary um, introduction to, to what the person's reading. There's always a Bible reading, um, a collect, and then, and then prayer requests. And, you know, the prayer requests are, are not only for the people of this parish, but also for, for other things, um, including right now, of course, people suffering from the dislocations of the coronavirus. Certainly. All right. We will put links to all those things on the show notes page for this episode, which will be lutherancartographer.com slash 18. So be sure you check that out for all the things that Pastor Murray just mentioned. Pastor Murray, what are your closing thoughts for our listeners today? Um, be faithful. Uh, you know, that's not very cartographic, I suppose. Uh, I, I think we live in a time where, where there's a great deal of fear. Um, we see it bubbling up, I think, uh, you know, because of the media representations we see around us about politics, about viruses, about you name it. Um, but, but be faithful to your Lord. Um, he'll never uh, let you down. Uh, continue to proclaim Christ faithfully wherever God puts you. So that's a bit cartographic. I mean, if it's Houston, you know, come come be with us, be faithful together with us, uh, and God will bless it, um, and, and uh, you know, we'll have a great deal of joy together. But that's really true wherever God places you. And, uh, you know, in the end, uh, our Lord triumphs. It, it may be through suffering, it may be through trial, but our Lord will a triumph in the end. Amen. Thank you again for your time today, Pastor Murray. God's peace. And also to you, Nicholas, it's a pleasure to chat. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about with Pastor Murray today, go to the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 18. Subscribe to the show on Stitcher or on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. While you're there, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating and a review on iTunes for me. That way more people will see the show and be able to listen to all these great guests that we have. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.